0: Hello and welcome to the Commonweal Policy Podcast. I'm Dr Craig Diel. I'm the Head of Policy and Research at Commonweal and today I'm joined by three special guests. Uh, we have Keith Baker of our Commonweal Energy Group back again. <laughs> we have Ali Anderson, a Senior Researcher and Media Manager for the Office of Douglas Chapman who is our third guest, the SNP MP for Dunfermline and West Fife. Hello to all of you, how are you all doing? Thank you. Yeah, thanks very
1: so much, for Pretty well, tired, but uh, it's been <laughs> a
0: great week. It has been a very busy week. um First, before we go ahead, I must apologize to everyone if my voice sounds a little bit strange. I had my COVID jag on Sunday and the side effects hit me quite hard, uh, laid me out for most of yesterday. um However, what I will say is, from personal experience, the side effects of the JAG were far, far less severe than having actual COVID. I have no desire to go round two with that. If you haven't had your JAGs yet, and you are eligible for them, please go get them. Either you'll have an appointment by now or you can go into one of the drop-in centres if you're eligible, please do it. The local drop-in centre near, near me was highly professional, saw us, immediately took us right through it. It was easy as anything, no excuses. So... <laughs> Back to the, the the show. Yes, it has been an extremely busy week. On Monday, we had the long-awaited report from the IPCC, the latest uh, round of their reports, commenting on the state of climate change uh, and what is going to happen to the world if we don't do something about it. Um, and we're going to talk about this a bit later in the podcast. But when that report came out. Commonweal then came out with our response to it on what Scotland in particular should be doing right now, given the severity of that report. Um, so, Keith, would you like to start us off with uh, what you thought of the, the the IPCC report when it came out?
1: Well, as I've been a reviewer on Working Group 3, we do get a summary of it. So I've known about this for quite a long time and OK, the, the draft changed, um, but I mean, I guess I saw the first summary probably about 18 months ago and it it's a lot to carry around with you. Um, you know, just to just to know what's what the what science is, just because the wording changes, the you know, the act the actual science doesn't. Mm. Um so it's actually Monday came as a big relief to be able to go, actually now we can talk about this. And yeah, sorry, it is just as bad as everybody's been predicting. Um But at least we can now have this conversation out in the open. And then in February, um, in February next year, we'll get working group two, which will be the impacts. And I'm sure that will be sobering reading as well. And then in in March, we get working group three. And I can start talking about what's in that at that point. That's the (laughs) bit I've seen and been um, involved with. But, yeah, it's it's really, really depressing, but it's a call for action. And at the same time, it's quite a relief to be able to go now. We can actually talk about it.
0: Yeah, and as with all of these reports that are built on especially political compromise, yeah, you're the, the, yeah, right that the language does inevitably get watered down, but the science remains, and, this is, and the science in the report now does say that, that humans are the unequivocal cause of climate change. Before, they were merely saying it was clear, um, which uh, it's definitely an intensification in that respect, although if you weren't convinced before, I mean, what more does it take to convince you? Uh, they did say that the window of time to avert the climate emergency is, is narrow and narrowing. Uh, we literally only have a few years left. It's not many elections in the future now. Uh, the politicians of today have to be acting. Disturbingly for me, they now said that keeping the planet below a 1.5 degree uh, temperature rise is now essentially impossible. Their best case scenario said that we will hit the 1.5 degree um, uh, ceiling, go above it and then reduce back down below 1.5 C by 2100, and that's if we do absolutely as much as we can now. So we're already too late in that sense. Um, and but what they also said was every fraction of a degree matters. 1.5 is less harmful than 1.6, which is less harmful than 1.7 degrees. And some of the worst case projections are talking two, three, four degrees. Even more worth of temperature rise. What is what? What does that mean uh, to to folk like yourself, Douglas or Ali, when you when you hear this this, especially in light of some of the news we're seeing around the world, where we're already seeing unprecedented flooding and storms and fires.
2: Yeah, well, I think if I can just kick off and just say, well, you know, this this is really the the, the wake up call as if we needed one. You know, it, it's. Um, and as Keith said, everything in the in the report is based on science. It's not somebody's opinion. It's not uh, you know stories from around the world, but it's it's actually based on, on the science. And I think that's the most important thing. And uh, you know, in terms of COVID, uh, you know, the most successful uh, countries in dealing with COVID have been the ones who, who followed the followed the science and tried to uh, work out a path that got us, well, I think we're pretty, despite uh, your, your, uh, your feelings, Craig, at the moment, uh, and, how you, and how you're doing, uh, you know, we're, 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 we can see the light at the end of the, the, the COVID tunnel a little bit. So I, I think that, the, you know, uh, just in just the same way as we've used the science there, then we need to fall back on the science and the technology to actually help us through um, this enormous problem, not just for some countries in the world, uh, but for the whole planet, and you know, we've we collectively uh, over many years and decades have created this problem, and it's now up to this generation to try and solve these problems uh, that we, the, the past generations have have uh, unwittingly, I think, probably created. Uh, I, I think anybody who's been, been involved in like oil and gas for a number of years, um, uh, you know, they maybe listened to some of the. The, the discussion that's going on, but didn't really see that their job or their, their what they were doing as part of the part of the issue or part of the problem. I think it's absolutely clear now um, that you know we, we need the technology to that to, to help us solve some of these most difficult uh, problems that's going to affect everyone uh, socially, economically, environmentally, and you know from a, a natural world point of view as well um you know I, I read a, an article in the courier this morning uh, from a, a a young person in Dundee who was talking about the number of species that have been lost in the world uh even within the last few years um and while that might not seem important to some uh you know it's we we're part of that that chain as well you know so we're, we're i I see that as uh the human race being at risk and uh you know what we need to do is is Look at that piece. I can see the IPs, IPC report, um, and also take into account the Common Wheel report, which we'll discuss later. You know, what things can we do in Scotland that would make the difference, and how can we use the the the, the Common Wheel report as a as a template that can be offered globally or around the world? Now, not all the the solutions will will be relevant to other countries, but you know, I think if countries like Scotland can show other countries the way. Uh, and provide a, a template for for, for change, um, then, you know, I think that's that's an exceptionally valuable contribution to make to the debate. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to discuss some of the, that, the, the, that report in, in more detail later on. Ali, please.
3: Well, I just think, you know, for a year, our ancestors are here in 100 years time to write history books. 2021 will be the pivotal year of this century. Um, we, we're getting all the warnings from nature and we look at all the, the terrible um, sort of weather-related climate-induced events that have been happening across the globe, in, not just in the developing countries where, you know, people have been pretending it's not happening, it's happening now on our doorstep Look what's happened in Canada and California, places like that. Um, so, you know, there's, there's the physical proof and here is the scientific paper and now we have the facts and at least um, uh, I'm trying to find the positive in that. At least we've got that now. And anybody who is putting climate action on the long arm is not with the programme now. We've got the evidence-based, science-backed um, facts and figures for that, and all the governments that were involved in the IPCC too. So that to me is um, a positive to move, to move forward on now. And so people can't be dithering anymore. We need leadership, and we need action, you know, um, civil society wants that. We know that from all the results of the climate and um, citizens assemblies, we know that from polls, you know, people are worried and our young people are really worried about about climate change. And um, I'm sure reading reading to the IPCC, people are going to be more worried, but what we want to do is galvanize that into something more positive where we actually take action and and a- act on the um, the points that they're making.
0: There, there is a, a very human aspect to this that we're not great at being able to plan for things that we can't see yet. We have had scientific warnings about climate change for over, a literally over a century. Um, the,
1: the person I would credit
0: is uh, George Perkins Marsh,
1: who was a, a diplomat and economist in the States. In, he first wrote, uh, he first uh, made a speech in 1857 saying that man's activities were having an impact on the climate um, and if you want to go further back you can point to joseph furrier in 1824 but um, perkins marsh is a bit of a hero of mine he's sort of credited as the first environmental scientist mm. so that's how long we've known um, we may not have had all the details and we may not have had all the technologies to solve it but then if we if we think about those technologies things like solar have been around for a very long time now um, and i think this is a yeah. Before we start talking about the, the about the the policy paper and the campaign, um, all the technologies we need, we have now. We do not yeah. need to rely on you know carbon capture and storage or anything else that's not proven at scale. Um, we you know we've shown with the Common Home Plan, we've shown with our other publications as well that we can actually do this, and we could have been doing it a long time ago. So now we just really need to ramp it up.
0: Yeah, and indeed uh, more intensely than that. If you are relying on some magic technology of the future, like carbon capture or nuclear fusion or whatever um, you think will would be necessary to, to get us through this, if it fails, then it's all by the time we know it fails, it would be too late to fix things. So we do need to fix things now with the technology we have.
3: And we also um, we know the, the costs, because there's been lots of um estimates now on the on the cost of this. So You know, I can't remember who it was, a a while back I read in the Washington Post, somebody was saying, we don't really have climate denialists anymore, we have climate interventionists. The people that say, oh, hang on a minute here, this is going to cost uh, the ordinary folk far too much money. But, um, of course, there's been lots of um, research done on how much it's going to cost and how much it's going to cost if we don't do it. Yeah. In terms of the economy, as well as human life. So we've got all these arguments now too. I I see, pardon the pun, 2021 is like perfect storm. We've got the science, we've got the economy, we've got the real life experiences of Mm -hmm. um, climate-induced weather disasters. We've got all these things right in front of us, um, telling us from all corners that we have to do something.
2: Mm -hmm. I think we're just probably the the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we're seeing on our TVs every night. You know, whether it's uh, recent flames, or, or you know, or whether it's um, the, the strangest and most violent weather events in other parts of the world. Um, you know, the, we're already seeing huge, um, uh, sort of flows of migration, with people um, from, for example, um, uh, from Africa through to through to southern Europe, and uh, you know, what, what we're experiencing just now could probably be ten times. Uh, what we can expect in the future as well, because people will, if their homes and countries and their farmland and so on are being flooded or um, subject to drought, then, you know, people are not going to be, be hanging about in, in these places. And it, it's that social um, confusion that climate change will cause as well uh, in the future, that really could be, a, you know, apart from the climate itself, but that the movement of people could be a huge driver uh, to actually make people realise that we need to take action very, very quickly in order to avert, uh, you know, a, a continuous state of crisis in different parts of the world. And if you think it's not going to happen here, then you're wrong because, you know, it's everywhere is under threat, and that's what we really need to guard against. That that's social instability as well. Um, you know, people are if people are starving, or people are, are um, you know can't get enough water, or whatever. Then they're they're going to move to wherever it is. And quite honestly, I don't think um, some of the the systems that we have in place just now, you know, if we can't manage people coming across the, the English Channel uh, very well, then you know, I think we're in quite a bad place in terms of what might be in front of us if huge numbers of people uh, start moving around the start moving around the planet due to, to climate change.
0: Yeah I mean it has been a, a historically a very rich white western view that this is something that happens elsewhere and by elsewhere they mean far away therefore we don't need to worry about it but you're right it is happening here. My, my, my wife is German, her um, the, the town she grew up in was effectively swept away in the floods that hit Western Germany uh, last month. Um, you know, we, We've seen footage of streets that we walked down last year, just completely gone, exposing foundations of buildings that were laid by the Romans. Uh, um, and we're thankful that her family are, are safe and her family's house were intact. But to give an idea of how close they were, her father's next-door neighbour lost his life drowning in his own basement. And that's how close the waters came there. So, yeah, it is happening here. And and one of the things from the the, the report was saying that in many of the, the worst-case scenarios, you're looking at, at the changes in the weather, meaning changes in the climate, meaning that what is right now a 10-year a flood, a flood that only happens once a decade, would then start happening once a year and you're seeing the same with things like the the heat waves in America and Canada which have been saying these that that kind of heat wave would have been essentially impossible without climate change at least it would have been one in a thousand or one in ten thousand years we're probably now looking at them several times a lifetime and that is going to get more frequent as the, the climate continues to deteriorate um and when you you use that phrase, Douglas, the uh, tip of the iceberg, perhaps a slightly unfortunate <laughs> proverb, uh, mm. because one of the other things we we, we saw in this I, report was I, sea I, level I, rise. A I family Johnson moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, I no, no, not at all. Um, but one of the things it, it, this isn't just a temperature thing, it's, um, because we are also seeing sea level rise, um, and according to the report, even in the best case scenario, we're looking at sea level rise of above half a meter uh, over the next century or so. Um, and I kind of looked this up, unfortunately, Douglas, uh, you have, you're have you gonna have some problems for your own office, uh, um, which apparently goes on, the front door goes underwater at 1.8 meters worth of sea level rise, which in the best case IPC scenario, we will now see in the year 4020, now, in the best will of the world, uh, I don't think you'll be an MP in 4000 AD. I'm, I'm sure we'll be independent by then. Uh, <laughs> um, but what does that, that mean for places like Dunfermline and other coastal towns of Scotland? What, what does that mean for the way we look at risk management? Well, I, again, I think, uh,
2: I mean, that's quite a, a frightening uh, prospect. Uh, I mean, we will be wearing face masks. Uh, and anything we've we'll been in the office, which has not been that often in the in the last year. Uh, but the fact we we'll probably need to wear wetsuits and flippers as well, just to 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 get around. Uh, and, but I'm being flippant with, with all of that. But you yeah. know, I, mean, I was at a, a, a farm yesterday um, in the constituency. Uh, and again, these are things that you know um, will affect our 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 food supply. Our um, availability of, of food. I mean, we're seeing um, sort of empty shelves on the on the supermarket shelves at the moment because of uh, Brexit and the lack lack of uh, transportation um, uh, that 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 moves all these goods around. Um, but you know, again, it's it's the 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 difficulty we'll have if the food is not even there in the first place because you know harvests have been washed out. Or you know burnt burnt to a crisp, um, uh, in some different parts of the world, and I think the the, the big move as well in part of the things we we're discussing with the NFU yesterday was just in um, you know how we can use our our local farmers and growers uh, to do uh, a bit more. It may might mean that the the choice is less in the future, but it's that kind of. More sustainable approach um, to farming um, that we may have to look at as well to, to make sure that we do have a, a regular supply of, of food. And again, coming back from the Scottish perspective, you know I think we're we're pretty well placed at the moment to actually feed ourselves. But then that that if you're talking about losing you know huge amounts of land, farmland to 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 flood or coastal erosion or whatever, uh, plus um, you know, just the 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 the, the impact um, that the, the climate has itself. Um, then that it's almost as if all bets are off. Uh, so it is a. I think that the the, the farming uh, people I spoke to yesterday felt that they were in a very uncertain place, and I think that's where we are more generally uh, across society, uh, unless we start to actually take on the responsibility and show some of the leadership that Ali was talking about. Um, to make sure that uh, you know we can make these changes as um as well as we can using the existing technology and, and make these transitions um so that the, the the fewest people are affected but the at the same time you know, we can move on to something that's that's going to be better for ourselves our economy and, and and our way of life and the planet and I'm, I'm not sure if we're we're in that space yet but the, given the the, the report on Monday, then you know it's a clear indication of what the way forward. and uh, hopefully we can we can learn some of these lessons and take the actions as quickly as we can.
0: Yeah, and that uh, segues us nicely into the, the second part of this podcast and talking about the the new report from Commonweal. and when we're talking about climate, there is always this difficulty with language of, If you give people the impression that there's plenty of time and we can just do nothing and we can do everything we need to do later, then people will just delay. I wrote last week in the Commonwealth Newsletter that climate delayers are a much bigger threat than outright climate deniers now. Um, On the other hand, if you get to the point where it is too late and nothing can be done, then you know, it's, there's no point anymore and people can just fall into despair. But there is this window that we are in right now where we can do things and we can avert this emergency. And this was the, 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 the point of this paper. We have we have produced 21 actions that the Scottish government can do to, to get us on the road. It's not the complete um, Green New Deal plan in itself. Um, we have that in our book, The Common Home Plan. <laughs> um, uh, but it is a... a Good start, especially in light of of the report on Monday. So, Keith, do you want to just talk to us about how how this paper came about and and give yeah? An, an overview um,
1: of I'd better start by thanking not just Ali and Douglas, but you um, and Hunter, Robin, um, Chris Hanlon, and there's going to be other people I've missed. I really so and the people who. Um, uh, the experts who gave their support to us as well. It has been a fantastically positive experience. Um, everybody involved has been brilliant. Um, Ali, particularly as we all know, has been uh, kick, kicking us along the way. Um, but I think for one of the one of the things to highlight is you know it's 21 actions. It's 21 actions that we selected, starting with the energy with the energy group and then going out to our sort of task group or whatever you want to call us. Um, And, you know, we've missed out some big things in there for for good reason. Um, you know, we missed out reducing meat consumption because actually that's something that a lot of people are doing anyway. Um, And I don't personally think there's an awful lot more the government can do on that front because you're then getting into sort of really sort of prescriptive and authoritarian policies. And I'm naturally a bit of a libertarian. You know, there's the population debate, which would be an entire other podcast. Um, You know, I'm child free, but I understand, you know, people who who aren't. Um, So we didn't want it to be really, really negative. We could have probably have come up with a list of 21 things that we needed to ban or stop or do anything or anything else. But it it doesn't it. We the the message can't be all negative. So so a lot of the things that are in there are really positive things. You know, the 20 minute neighbourhoods. Um, you know, relocalisation. Um, obviously, the, the various agencies that the Commonwealth proposed and the CEDA, the Scottish Energy Development Agency, which is my little baby. Um, but yeah, it's trying to get that right right balance. And some of these things are going to be harder to take. You know, we have put flights in there. And the fact is that if um, you know, if China was to adopt the same level of frequent flying that, Europe, that we've seen in Europe and to a lesser extent, North America, we would be kissing our climate targets goodbye. So there are some things that are going to be harder. Um, but at the same time, um, I think one of the things the last couple of years has shown us is, is there is a real desire for much greater localization. Douglas has just talked about farming and he's absolutely right. Um, we need yeah a, a greater communitarian spirit and i think so. a lot of common proposals have actually focused around that so so we're not taking i would not say we're not taking a hardline style because i think we are um but not in a in a prescriptive overly authoritarian way this is stuff that we can get people on board and you know anybody listening to this lobby the scottish government lobby your mp uh, lobby your msp to get on board with it we'll be doing that as well but the more voices the better and this this is real institutional changes that will help everybody um, and I think one of the one of the useful things it's it's allowed us to draw attention to things like grid reinforcement, which nobody talks about because it's boring and it's you know it's technical. Uh, but actually, if we don't do that, we're not going to get these solutions online. Um, so, yeah. yeah
0: so, f- so for listeners on that one, right now Scotland produces approximately 100% of its ele- electricity needs through renewable energy, but. Electricity only makes up a quarter of our energy demand. A quarter is transport. So if we electrify all of our cars, we need to double our electric our renewable electricity generation. And half of our energy uh, right now is in the form of heat, almost all of which is oil and gas. So if we electrify all of our house heating and we don't do anything about insulation or anything like that, then we have to double our electricity generation. Again. So we need four times as much e- renewable electricity as we currently have. And our grid just can't handle that increase. So yeah, you're right, it sounds a bit boring and a bit technical, but that kind of level of thinking is required if we want to, um, if, if any of this is gonna be possible. Now, yes, we don't want to leave everyone with cold homes and higher energy bills just because we replaced the oil bunker with a, a, a heat pump and that then takes us into the other th- the other uh, recommendations as well.
3: And I, I feel like when, when we first got involved uh, with this, uh, you know, it made me feel really positive about um, what we could do, because some of the things that we're talking about have been talked about for quite a while. And, you know, everything's kind of been put on pause because of COVID. But here we are now, I, I think about that grand effect that's been all over the internet, where you've got the three tsunamis heading towards the world. Um, especially the UK, and the first one is Brexit, I think the first one is Brexit, the second one is bigger, it's Covid, and the third one is this enormous wave, overwhelming all those things, and that's climate change, and uh, you know when we were discussing um, this proposal document, one of the things that we were all talking about was um, this moment in Scotland's national story, and about it being a moment of responsibility and opportunity, and I think that's something that we can you get people on board with because here we are in scotland with all this amazing natural resources in abundance we've got a lot of water as we know and we've got a lot of wind and we do actually have a lot of sun uh, even though it doesn't feel like that it certainly felt like that this summer so we are in in this amazing position at the top of europe to uh, really play our part on the global stage um, in terms of tackling climate change um, and in terms of our opportunity and responsibility we've got amazing skill sets and um, we've we've got lots of people willing to make big changes to get on board and we put all that together then I, you know i think we've got something really dynamic there so for me it's it's been a real light at the end of the tunnel moment getting in, and getting involved in this and then looking at all the sort of hard facts and figures and um uh, infrastructure, uh, all things that we've been discussing, which we'll get into in more detail now in, in the 21 points, it makes sense.
0: So we don't need to go through every every single point in there, but if you've had to pick your top one or two out of the list, um, putting you in the spot because I don't expect you to have the list in front of you, um, what ones would you like to really, really see, Ali?
3: Well, I love the National Energy Company because I feel that that sums up that idea of Scots as um, stakeholders and guardians of our uh, abundant natural resources. I really like that because that's that first, you know, everyone everyone in it together, everyone benefiting, everyone having a responsibility about, about nature. I, that to me, it, um, I really like that because I feel that Scotland has um, been on the thin end of the wedge when it comes to enjoying um, the the benefits of um our abundant natural resources and not enough say on uh, how we um incorporate that into our lives in a sustainable way so for me the national energy company just m- makes tons of sense and i'm excited about that
2: Nicholas. uh yeah i'd go along with that as well i think that's, that's um i mean i think i think all 21 are really exciting ideas and i think that's what we need to try and do as well as capture the The imagination and the buy-in from the ordinary person in the street, you know, it's it's, as I said before, people are watching dreadful things happening across the world, but until it actually affects your life, then you know it's it's something that's on TV. So it's it's about how do we actually capture the imagination and say, we've got an issue, we've got a real serious problem on our hands, but there are solutions, and being part of these solutions uh, is. You know is the thing that may well excite people to to actually create a, a better future for themselves and their families and in and, and terms of scotland where we want to be uh, but i think i think the other couple of things i would mention is and you've just touched on it as well craig was that the the, the issue around the electricity grid um and you know i think we actually need in terms of our energy production and distribution and so on we need more control over all of that i don't think we can leave it to um, the the big multinationals or the venture capitalists uh, to actually make all that work for us and put our trust in in what they're what they're doing because it's they're many of them most of them are are driven by by profit and well for me profit is not necessarily a dirty word it's um you know it's that lack of control that we have over all the resources that we have on on our doorstep. You know, when you think about Scotland's wind, wave, tidal energy, um, our potential for high hydrogen, um, and developing a, a, a huge renewables workforce, um, you know, the, the, these are these are not negatives. These are all positive opportunities that Scotland should be able to to um, buy into uh, and actually have our politicians support in, in big numbers. And that's what I'd like to get to as well. I think. One of the, if there was a third thing that would be allowed to, to, to talk about, is how we actually do the transition, because that's that's yeah. the important thing. You know, we, we've we've relied for a long, long time on oil and gas, uh, and you know we've got a very mature oil and gas industry in Scotland, uh, with a lot of people involved, and still, despite the the the, the, the sort of turn down in induction, um, there's still a lot of people involved in that. And I think the the, the challenge is. You know how do we take all these, uh, all that enthusiasm and skills and talent that's within these industries, and make it, to you know, use these 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 human resources we have uh, into finding solutions and delivering what we need to deliver uh, to actually, um, you know, see the the 21 ideas actually come through to fruition. Because it, it is all about what we do. It's all about the action points. It's not about you know, just having 21 points on a bit paper, we need to transfer that into to real real action that is, that's going to affect people's lives. And while there will be some negative things, there's a lot of positive things in there that we can cling on to and say, you know, this is a this is the new kind of world that we, we, we want to create here. Uh, and we're, we're creating it through necessity, but nevertheless, the, there are positives in there that we can actually work on together. And I think that's the, the most exciting part for the
0: for the report as a whole. Yeah, and that aspect of just transition is is so important because Scotland, especially, has seen that legacy of of previous transitions, such as the uh, the coal industry, uh, as famously, highlighted infamously highlighted by Boris Johnson recently. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, how how well, that, the, that's the,
2: the point. In, in, yeah. I mean, I, we are uh, or certain members of the team have been on. Um, like, a, a calls with the uh, all party group on, um, the, 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 coal fields communities. And, you know, report after report from, um, academics looking at the, the, the impact of the, the undoubted coal mines has been, you know, it has been consistent throughout that, that, that level of change coming so quickly and not being properly managed and maybe on the back of a, some sort of political dogma um has, has really is has decimated these communities uh and they've, they they still uh, struggle to recover from you know being hit so hard uh you know through the decisions by margaret thatcher so many years ago so you know we need to learn from that as well and say you know there there's a better way of doing this we can actually manage this transition if we we, we put our minds to it uh, and because we don't want um, some of the villages that I see around here in West Fife, uh, we don't want that replicated in some of the villages around Aberdeen, for example. You know, What, yeah. what can we do now that actually makes that transition um, a practical, pragmatic uh, way forward using the skills and talents of the people who are already there? But we need to use these skills and talents in a different way.
0: Yeah, I mean, the villages around where I am are all co- are coal communities. I grew up with the the legacy, legacy of that abandonment, so it's, it's been right in front of me my whole life. And um, so Keith, finally, your favourite policy at the 21, if you could have the power to implement it.
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to follow on from that, actually. Um, I'm from, from South Wales, so I'm just about old enough to remember the impact of the coal, closures of the coal mines on communities. And, you know, let's be honest, this was... Um, this did lead to a lot of people committing suicide. Um, the impact it had at the ends, at the end of um uh you know, the ends of the valleys was enormous. So what we're saying is actually, you know, this is you know, we're not being like Thatcher here. We're not, you know, shutting wanting to shut down coal mines and the oil and gas industry because, you know. We're opposed to the unions or anything else quite the opposite we want you know the, the, the people who have been involved in those industries except for the few at the top who are making vast amounts of money and you know we, we can we're not really going to miss a few executives but the vast majority of people in those industries um, the polls there's been studies done saying that they do want to transfer out they do want to be part of the solution and you know as i keep saying the best person to to work out how to do, decommission an oil rig is the person who designed it in the first place um, the same goes for the nuclear industry. Um, so, yeah, it's about having this positive message. And of course, to, to pick a second one, of course, I'm going to say the Scottish Energy Development Agency, because I said that is, that is my baby for that. And that is about how we put it all together. But that in itself links to training. That in itself links to you know, targeting the community, the most people poor communities, um, which are particularly in rural areas. Um, so, yeah, how we, how we pull all these levers together. Um, And I think I'll I'll get a third in possibly and mention homeworking just because it's been in the headlines from the from the coverage that we've had. Um, We have seen a transition in society and those people who are saying, you know, we all need to get back to the offices to support Pratt & and things. Well, sorry, your day's done. You know, we've we've the society has now changed. And I'm you know, I've always worked from home, um, but. Yeah, to be able to go up and down my, my local high street now in Barking and see more and more local businesses that are actually doing really really well because people are spending time more locally and you know much better to put your you know your lunchtime you know your lunchtime money your lunch money into a local bakery or something than to in yeah, into one of the big chains that suck it up and dare we say don't pay their fair share of taxes. So yeah, this this move towards localization and really putting the change back in the hearts of communities. Um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic opportunity as well. I mean, it's, it's horrible to talk about a virus like an opportunity, but you know, if that's forced people to think, to rethink, reevaluate their lives and think, maybe I'm not going to go go to all these big events. Me and my me and my wife were saying earlier that you know, before, just before the virus hit, we were buying tickets to um, to gigs and stuff. We weren't going to most of them because it would come to the point of going out in the evening after a long day's work. You're like, do I really want to bother? Mm-hmm. Um, Great if that's what you want to do, but I think I think it, you know, people are reassessing their lives and getting better qualities of life. So you know the big stuff is now coming. We can do more than that. You know we can have your energy produced locally. We buy people who actually care about their jobs. I mean, dare I go into Marx's theory of alienation and all that kind of stuff? Um, but you know people being proud of the work they do and not being sucked into yeah. big corporate entities that shuck them in one end and sp- uh, drop them out the other. And at that point, just one final one on divestment. So, you know, those of, you, those of us who are lucky to have a retire- you know, some form of retirement, um, taking money out of the fossil fuel industry from pension funds is brilliant. It not only takes money away from those companies directly, but actually, the in- in- uh, if you're investing in sustainable companies, investment is better long term and we've we've put this in the statement about the losses that have come from from um investments in fossil fuels and we talked about it last time so yeah just more resilient communities
3: yeah Yeah. i think i think it's also what i like about the 21 for 21 um points as well is you know this is this is moving beyond rhetoric we all talk about resilience and well-being and transition, just transition but really we're at the point now with the ipcc is we can't talk about it anymore. We have to just do it. And like you were saying earlier, Keith, you know we've got a lot of great technology that's ready to use. We've got a lot of great skill and talent in the workforce that's ready to be brought on board. Um, we've got citizens crying out for leadership uh, on this and, and a roadmap. And here, 21 for 21 give, gives that roadmap, which I think will appeal to a lot of Scottish people.
0: Thank you, Ali. I think, um, I don't think we can end the the podcast on a more positive or hopeful note than that. So I think this is a good time to remind everyone that Commonweal is an organisation that is completely funded by our listeners and our supporters. Uh, We don't have uh, government money uh, keeping us afloat. We don't get uh, corporate sponsors, not even the oil companies. Um, We don't even have adverts on, on our website. So If you want to support us as we produce uh, more papers like 21 for 21, if you want to support us in our campaign to get the Scottish Government to adopt these these actions and and push forward and help them meet their climate obligations, then we really appreciate all the donations we get. And for everyone else, please listen to the podcast, read our papers, share them around, shout them from from the rooftops. Um, So, Thank you Keith, Ali, Douglas, it has been great having you on the show um, and <laughs> we hope we can get uh, any or all of yous back on in a future um, future episode to talk about the 21 actions that we've already done. Thanks so much. Bye all. Bye.